0: Hi, guys, welcome to another surprise bonus Rahalastapa. This one coming from Hull City Hall with the amazing Graham Fellows, aka John Shuttleworth, aka Jilted John, and many other things beside that, as you are going to discover. Listen, if you like these podcasts, please support us in any way you can. Just telling your friends about the podcast will be a massive help. Uh, the more listens we can get, the better it is for us. Uh, also, you can, of course, become a m- monthly badger. Go to com slash badges. For £3 or more a month, you can get loads of extras, including backstage videos, lots of other bits of video footage that you can't see anywhere else. Um, you get advance warning of who the guests are going to be. You get entered into a monthly draw. You get ad-free audio of the podcast, if that's what you're into. Uh, loads more stuff besides. It's just brilliant, plus a little membership card and some badges and a secret code you can talk to each other with. It's beautiful, and all the money from that goes to making more podcasts. So if you've enjoyed these podcasts over the years and would like us to do more, um, then please help us in that way if you can, or just come and buy a ticket. Go to com slash gigs. You can see that I'm in London, Norwich, and Birmingham in 2020. So far, there will be more gigs added, I am sure. It's been really good fun on tour. Um, thanks so much if you did come along to see that. All right. Let's say goodbye. I love you all. Thanks for d- listening to this introduction. Now it is time to listen to Raha Luster with Graham Fellows. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hull City Hall. Please welcome a man who was born in Poplington, and thus everyone in this audience is his sworn enemy. It's Richard Herring. i love to see you all. Thank you for coming along. Brilliant to be here. Uh, we should, we're all from the East Riding of Yorkshire. Should we should, We have to get on now. We have to put the past behind <laughs> us. We're all, William Wolfos belongs to us all. <laughs> that the, that's the thing to remember. Welcome uh, to the show. Uh, this is a podcast. It's called Rockfish, Halibut, Lamprey, Sardine, Trout, Pollock. They love fish here in Hull. so I just made it very much i to come up with new ideas for podcasts. This is just. Do you like the way I made H stand for halibut, not herring? There, that was my favourite. About fifty percent of the audience are here because they love fish so much here. They actually thought Richard Herring was just a fish that had come gained enough sentience to be able to talk. Thought great, we'll see a fish doing some comedy. Very disappointed people in the audience. Uh, it's lovely to be in Hull. Uh, King Charles the First was refused access to Hull. Leading to the Siege of Hull, the first action of uh, the Civil War. Ironically, if they'd just let him have a look, he'd, he'd have just gone, yeah, it's shit, let's go on. <laughs> it's, you always want something you can't have, that's the thing, isn't it? Go, oh, that wasn't worth it. Uh, lots of facts about Hull I've got for you. The, uh, the George Hotel in Hull claims it has the smallest window in England. That is the best thing about Hull. <laughs> They've got a very small window. It's not even definitely the smallest just claimed that it's a slit, really. It doesn't even count. That's all you've got. Uh, People from Hull like to be referred to as Hullensians. Sadly, nobody calls you that. I'm sorry. You might like to know that I've never heard of that in my life. Twats we call. We call you twats. (laughs) Uh, uh, The most famous inhabitant of uh, Hull was Robinson Crusoe, who set sail from Hull, in the beginning of his book. He's a fictional character. That is the most famous. He's not even real. And yet you still have a plaque to him up in uh, Queen's Gardens that he doesn't exist. You, should, you could make a bit more of it. I would, if there was a Tales of Robinson Crusoe experience here in Hull, I would definitely go and visit it. Um Oh, I didn't do the bit that i meant to do. Uh, I was hanging out on the uh, fish trail and a carp on Aldred Gelder Street said he calls it I, thought, I forgot to do <laughs> forgot to do that that's the money shot we'll move it around in the edit it'll look amazing <laughs> uh, and what else have I got for you um, oh, let's uh, oh yeah hold on wrong page uh, invented I'm sure these things were invented in somewhere else in Yorkshire where I went but apparently Lemsip Bongella and Gavascon were all invented in Hull by a very ill person. That's just the kind of... They had to be invented. Necessity is the mother of invention. There's a lot of mouth ulcered, ill people shitting themselves. <laughs> have to invent that. Uh, World War II, 90% of Hull was destroyed by the Nazis. So it wasn't all bad, was it? They, they, wasn't all, they wasn't all bad. They weren't all bad. Just 10% off. <laughs> and that's all I have for you. Thank you for coming. Right, my... Um, some hell facts. I wrote those uh, in the dressing room. I hope you enjoyed them. I drove myself up today, so it was, it was, it was you know, I'm quite impressed that I managed to get those in. Um, now, my guest this week, remember, this is just, there's just one guest. <laughs> come back next week if you want. He's probably best known as the character Sinjin from the brilliant no. sitcom, the world's best sitcom of all time, Time Gentlemen, please. Yeah. Will you please welcome late gentlemen? It's Graham Fellow <laughs> Graham Fellow Symptom <laughs> here. here he is <laughs> There's a microphone on your seat, don't sit on it. Pick it up. Sorry right behind you. It's, right. Okay. it's just on you, it's just on the on the seat there. An S M fifty eight, that's what I like to see. <laughs>
2: yeah. I played this theatre about twenty years ago. It was only slightly fuller, right? That's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good
0: echo. Yeah, so well, that is the thing. From up here, it echoes. It'll sound all right at home, but oh, okay. I find it quite difficult. I've I've been playing a lot of cavernous venues, I have to say, on this tour, well, uh, and uh, we've overstretched ourselves. You know, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's all full up there. Just don't look up there. So you don't, uh, and you don't have uh, audience mics. Uh, so, well, I see. I find the echo. Okay. If we talk at the same okay. time, I can't hear what you're saying.
2: Sorry, Richard.
0: No, it's all right. But that's
2: yeah. a problem. No, I'm just saying. How are you going to get the sort of dead sound required for a podcast?
0: Well, it'll work. The, the guy George, the incompetent sound guy back there that you've met, he will sort that out. He was very excited to come to Hull. He usually have a different guy come on tour, but he couldn't do it. And they asked George, and George said, "I've always wanted to come to Hull. It's like 40 years old." He could easily have come to Hull (laughs) if he was that excited about it, but he never has done. So he's very excited to be here. He used to have a poster of Hull on his bedroom wall. (laughs) Yeah? He showed it to me. Who's George? That guy back there, the guy we met, you met Oh, yeah. It's George. He's incompetent. He he filmed us with the iPhone, hopefully. Uh, What do you remember about appearing on uh, Time, Gentleman, Please? Do you remember that sitcom? Does anybody here remember that sitcom?
2: Yeah, yeah. It was, I thought it was quite good. It was quite and good. We were just talking about it backstage <laughs> yeah. and you said you had to suddenly write ten extra episodes in like a day I, and you thought they were better than the ones that were taking you ages. I
0: had to write a w- ten, in ten weeks basically so yeah. I had to write one a week. So yeah, I, was, I, was, I chanced across one of our episodes. You were, I think, the, was the hospital on the second time you were in? You were in two. That was the
2: second time, yeah. yeah. I, I, it was great. There were p- really good actors like Phil Daniels working on it and yeah. um, Julia... Sawala. Thank yeah. you for saying her surname. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, it, and you, were play, you played the postman and I, did. I played a St John's Ambulance Driver. and yeah. it was Well, to be honest, it probably came at a good time because i have been doing John Shuttleworth incess- incessantly for probably ten years and it was like a sudden little break from, yeah. from that.
0: I mean, you started off in acting or you were, you were, you were aiming to be an actor and you've done various bits and pieces of acting over the years. Well, I was an
2: actor, yeah. I went to Manchester Poly School of Theatre. Yeah. Which had some quite famous people went there. Julie Walters, Bernard Hill. A few years after me, Steve Coogan went when the standard had slipped. <laughs> um, but <laughs> <laughs> it was a good drama school. It was a method, uh, method school. Right. You know.
0: you know what that means? That do means you have to sort of live the part, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah if you're a playing a that. fat guy, you have to eat lots of pies. I've been, that, I've been methoding that one for, for a while. That's it. Haven't yet had the part.
2: Yeah, I was in a, a Nibson play called Brand, and I remember going onto the moors and, and, and getting very cold. Right. Because he was, he was up in the, in the Alps in, in Norway okay. getting very cold. Yeah. And I got a cold, and then I couldn't do the play. <laughs> so, I just made that up, but I got a laugh. <laughs> no, it's, right. it's true, I did, get, um, I did go in the moors.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you've got, but, well, I'm very, I, you know, I, I was a big fan at, as a youngster of Jilted John, which sort of exploded onto the pop scene. Yeah. Which I don't think many, I think a lot of people don't realise that John Shutworth and Jilted John are played by the same person. I mean, it's quite...
2: A lot of people don't realise that Jilted John is called Jilted John. They R- call it Gordon is a Moron. Right. But, um, and I, perhaps it could have been called that, but it just seemed a bit of a dumb title, whereas Jilted John by Jilted John seemed quite a minimal. And cool. Yes. And we were trying to be cool in a bizarre way. I mean, I was at drama school, 1977, and there was a guitar sitting around in the canteen, and a lot of uh, being a a method school, it was sort of about breaking you down. So a lot of the first year was sort of doing menial jobs like sweeping the stage and hanging around. And uh, so I saw this guitar, and I just picked it up and couldn't play the guitar at all, but I tuned it to... uh, an open chord. Do you know what I mean by I an do, open chord? Yeah, I do, <laughs> <laughs> no, Because nobody go down. down it's not yeah. a chord and you have to do fingering. But if you tune it to a chord, you just put your finger across the frets yeah. like you would in a steel guitar. And it's dead easy then. So I just went... <laughs> and suddenly I thought, hey, that's quite a good riff. And then I went... <laughs> and I had the song. Yeah. And in one lunch hour... Uh, I wrote it. Yeah,
0: Quicker it's very much like wrote, the, guitar, the creation of yesterday, isn't it? Sorry. Play, it's very much like the creation of yesterday by Paul McCartney. He dreamt that tune, and you just picked I up think a he and should and have
2: stuck with scrambled eggs, scrambled eggs because eggs. that's a much better lyric than than yesterday. Isn't yeah, it? that might be John. We're talking. It's one, it might be, but it's, it's not. It's, I mean, yesterday is one of my least favourite uh, Paul McCartney songs. It's very self conscious. It's he's, he's trying to write a great classic.
0: Yeah, he dreamt it. He didn't. He can't help it.
2: Yeah, but if he'd stayed with scrambled eggs, he could have talked about all the problems of scrambling. And yeah. They didn't have a microwave then. That's the way to do it now, isn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. So how did, the, uh, how did it go from you picking up a guitar at drama school to you being on top of the pops and getting to number four in the hit parade? I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's sort of uh, well, it was incredible a incredible combi- journey, isn't it? It was,
2: it was in combination of uh, luck and arrogance, I would say. Because I, I honestly thought it was really good. And uh, you've got to remember that the time, the music industry was so different. You, it was a time that the Baron Knights were still having hits. I remember you know, them. The parodying songs in the charts. So parody songs, comedy songs were, were, were quite popular and would get played by DJs. So yeah. I wrote this song and I, I, I remember going to make the demo and I had 25 quid in my hand because my friend who accompanied me got, found the studio said, it's about 25 quid, and it was 80 quid. Right. But the guy was so shocked, he just went, oh, give it here. So I, he <laughs> let me have the tape for 25 quid, and then I just walked into a record uh, company in, in Manchester, the only one that I could find. Uh, it, probably, it, well, it was the only one, Rabid mm-hmm. Records, and then Factory Records uh, that people will have heard of. Um, that appeared a little bit later, and I just walked in with my tape, they were sitting around drinking coffee. That's not very punk, is it? <laughs> they, were, they, were, they were a punk label. And uh, we put it on, and they went, oh, that's quite good. And then about a month later, we were recording it in Oldham. And uh, I, we did things that were a bit naughty. Uh, we, we, we wrote letters to DJs pretending to be fans. Right, You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was, it's of its time. Like you, and, and the charts, you know, even going into record shops, buying a bang, a copy. Yeah, I didn't do that. Certain people did that. Right, But everybody did that, that's why I'm happy to admit that because that was the way the charts, they had chart return shops where only a few shops comprised the charts. But, I mean, I think it came out in July and it captured the imagination of every seven-year-old in the country. Yeah. So they, <laughs> and, and most people, you know, young people thought, wow, this is a bit different. Yeah. And I guess it was because it's It was more or less the first song I'd ever written, and if the structure of it is bonkers, you know the chorus. Gordon is a moron. Happens once, (laughs) and then it just goes on with this kind of coda of just this the chord repeating it with this rant. Yeah, it's so so upset. Yeah, yeah, I'll just smash his face in. And (laughs) and it it just it's weird. But I guess that's what made it.
0: Yeah, well, watching it again today. Um, it sort of struck me it's quite Rick from the Young Ones. It's like you're Rick, you know, the, the, the persona. I think you the mean captain. the other way around. Well, I do. I mean, Rick you know, I, me. exactly, yeah? I do. I do mean that. I think, I think there's, a, there's a certain timbre to the way he speaks, the way you speak, uh, and, and what, what then followed, you know, and that idea of that being that slightly nerdy guy mm. trying to be cool. Yeah. It's sort of. It's simple, but I was it?
2: doing a, you know, I have to be fair, it was a parody of a punk song. Yeah. Uh, to start with. Because I was a, a part time punk, you know, I used to take my earrings out at night. Um, but I, I thought punk was okay, but I thought there were a lot of silly things in it. Yeah, like yeah. People going, here we go, two, three, four, and yeah. all that, in, halfway through the song. You know? <laughs> so that's where that came from.
0: But that's the best, that's the, the best bit in the song. I know mean, there's a lot of good bits. It, yeah, it is really good. The song is, is solid. It's a, and, and in fact, I remember listening to the album at Jeff Quigley's house, sitting on Jeff Quigley's bed. There was a whole album of songs. The one about going steady was was that the B side of. Well, that was nearly was the, the a, a side.
2: Nearly yeah. the A side, but it was John Peel on Radio One who picked up the A side, and and that therefore became it was yeah, it was like a double A to yeah. start with. Yeah, because that's
0: a good. So there's a, there was some good songs on that album.
2: Yeah, did anyone see my tour last year as Jilted John? Yeah, it yeah. was good, wasn't it? <laughs> that was very cathartic because you see, I'd never toured as Jilted John. I went straight back. To drama school having had this massive hit aged just 19 and I went back to drama school thinking I'd be really cool and not um you know be a pop star yeah. and went straight back into method acting and I think I always felt a sense of loss that I'd never really capitalized on it so last year we went out and did a um a big tour and we didn't come to Hull did we did we no a no, good choice. To? But well, we, you know no, we did come about come 10, 10, twelve.
0: Don't only come and see stuff if you gummy.
2: I mean, it, 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 I, <laughs> I lost about two grand on the tour. Oh, did but, you? <laughs> um, It was a big success. Yes. And, uh, that Because normally I'm just on my own, like yourself, Richard. but yeah. I have a keyboard and I have a kit bag and a, my own microphone. And, and but it's it's very minimal. So yeah. you know you can make money touring. But if you've got a big band and you have to hire a van, sudden and. Travel lodges. Yes, yeah. Suddenly becomes very expensive. It does. It does. But yeah. I had a lot of fun, and it was very cathartic to to do to get up at age fifty nine. Yeah. And sort of pogo and be silly and. Uh, but
0: it's also it's sort of within it's right as well, isn't it? Because he would he would come back and <laughs> come back till the character would do it as well. Well, there's I a like lot of them doing through. it. Yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, but but having never done it before, I, I, I when I did top of the pops, I just sort of stood at the mic like a sort of. Rub it in the headlights a bit. That was the kind of act. But I thought, well, I can't really get away with that. Age fifty nine. So I actually threw myself into being a bit of a punk. I even swore, Richard, at one point. And I know you don't swear. I don't swear, no, because I and and that's the hallmark of John Shuttleworth. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's why people, uh, a lot of people like it, and uh, because it's it's sort of gentle comedy anyway. But there's no, they can bring their kids.
0: Yeah. well, and what was it like? I, I watched all three, This you won Top of the Pops three times with the same song? Three different performances? Yeah. Uh, three different uh, hosts of Top of the Pops? Yeah. Peter Powell, Kid Jensen, we can talk about both of them to the... <laughs> we're allowed. They're, they're, you've got two, you were lucky. Like 66% what? fine. So far, as far as... I think we're safe with those two. Uh, Jimmy Savile I saw introduce you. Oh, cause, which is... a. You don't see that anymore he's been he's been he's been expunged but not from YouTube you still can still see him on YouTube He did seem
2: very nice. Did he? No nice man.
0: Yeah. Oh. Johnny. Oh, one of the nice guys of pop. Oh, <laughs> oh. He was seemed a lovely bloke. Yeah, that's how he that's, that was his modus operandi. That's how he I know. How he, that's a people.
2: And I was a good-looking lad but I wasn't yeah. quite young enough. No.
0: So I was safe. Yeah. Um. Right. Uh, on your website, it claims you snogged Debbie Harry. I don't know if that was—is uh, that—is that true? Or did you gave it well, a Well,
2: snog is a bit of an exaggeration. Yeah. It was—it was. I pecked her on the cheek. Okay. It was a publicity shot for the NME oh. to show that jilted John finally gets his girl, kind of thing. Right.
0: Yeah. Oh. Did, was there any? Was, but, what was it? Was what, it what was it like getting onto top of the pops as a? You were seventeen. Was is that how old you were? No, I was, 18?
2: I was. I was actually just nineteen. Nineteen.
0: But yeah, was, um, so, but a teenager still. Mm. And then suddenly, from having an idea within three, four months, being on top of the pops, following Debbie Harry. In fact, the first time you were on, yeah. And, um,
2: and beating her in the charts, right? And I have this, and, and beating Abba
0: as well. Wow. Yeah, they they had Summer
2: Night City, which is perhaps one of the. Worst songs.
0: Yeah, you were lucky. That got so. to
2: number nine. I got to number four.
0: Yeah.
2: I was beaten by Brown Girls in the Ring. And, uh, Boney M, you can't beat Boney yeah. M. Summer but, Nights, all those massive oh, songs. Summer
0: Nights, that's that. And uh, But Dreadlock Holiday was the. Yeah, only.
2: Dreadlock Holiday, yeah. Now,
0: are you better than Dreadlock Holiday? I think it was. I think it <laughs> Don't you think it's slightly
2: better than Dreadlock Holiday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but but it was problem. fun. It There'd was a problems. fun
2: time. But uh, I think then going back to drama school and sort of this kind of unrequited pop star thing and having to be just normal, but then actually being treated differently by people in my year. I found it a bit weird, and I actually became quite reclusive um, for a while and um, also felt I had to start writing songs like Mad and yeah. follow it with the follow-up. Not realising that that song was such a weird, standalone song, you couldn't really
0: follow it. No. No. Well, and it's, you know, you're playing a, ca- it's a... It's just a strange thing, isn't it? And it's not... You didn't plan it. It wasn't like... No, I didn't, really. It no. wasn't like a, a record company going, let's get this guy and do this. You know, you've just... You've created this thing. Well, it was done
2: as a bit of a joke and yeah. in exactly the same way with, with John Shuttleworth, which, you know, don't want to come into that now, but I was mucking about with listening to really bad demo tapes. I was trying to be a serious songwriter. I'd signed this publishing deal with Chapel Music... Because the acting work had kind of dried up. After drama school, I did um, a couple of years of acting, doing okay. You know, I was on Coronation Street yeah. a couple of times, meeting Gail. Both times, I p- played somebody who fancied Gail. Right. <laughs> What's the chances of that? <laughs> um, and I desperately want to go back on the third time, you know, the, to, right. to finally tie the knot or something. But
0: yeah, we should, well, we should sort that out. But if you're method acting, that means you have to. What do you do if you're fancying Gail? You have to. Well, I was a
2: different character each time. Okay. Or was I? Maybe I was the same person <laughs> who, who was just so in love with Gail it
0: comes back and gives that he crack.
2: changed his name, yeah. changed
0: his clothes, yeah,
2: that could work. Uh, to try and be close to her. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, 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 I so I signed a publishing deal because um, I had this indie album out called Love at the Hacienda. Yeah, I'd, I was in Manchester for about ten years, and and that did okay, and I got this publishing deal, and was trying to write all these sort of indie pop songs, very soulful. Um, and basically, I got completely waylaid by hearing these awful demos that I said that people would send in. And they were just so funny. You'd be like a guy playing a keyboard, and you could hear his wife washing up in the background. <laughs> you know. And they'd say at the end of the tape, Well, thank you very much for listening to my songs. Please get in contact. If there's anything you want to change,
0: <laughs> isn't that sad? <laughs> <you know?
2: laughs> if there's anything you want to change, I'm more than happy to, uh... you know. And yet, it was a real kind of human element to them. Yeah. And the A and R guys listening to them were obviously far more obsessed with those than listening to the latest Madonna <laughs> single or something. So, so what I did for a joke, I went home and I made my own spoof right. bad demo tape, sent it in to Chapel Music, and then a few days later, I sort of, met, like, oh, we had any t-? They realised it was me, but they uh, after a while, and they just said. It was fantastic. We want more. Right. So I had to do another tape. And suddenly all my serious love songs just got completely <laughs> forgotten about. Yeah. And I had to come up with these comedy tapes. right? And I did that for a couple of years. And then uh, um, started even doing gigs. I supported Robert Plant. <laughs> yeah. How weird is that? When he brought Big Log out, I, I was at the marquee. I, it was right. a special, Yeah, I was the comedy support. And in those Does that days, work?
0: Because that often doesn't work, does it? The people are waiting for a big, <laughs> no, a big famous star, and then someone comes. No, it on. didn't work.
2: No, it didn't work at all. Um, but <laughs> I supported Robert Plant. I can say that. Yeah. Could be on my tombstone. <laughs> he was a very nice man. Okay. Very nice. But I, I kind of then jacked John Shuttle within. Right. Because it wasn't really going anywhere. Um, it was. It wasn't deep enough. There was. It needed fleshing out. Yeah. So I went back and did some acting. In Newcastle under Lyme. (laughs) Right. (laughs) For about a year, had a bit of fun doing pantomime and Romeo and Juliet. I played Tybalt and my dagger flew off and bounced. It was in the round and the dagger flew and hit the back wall. Oh my God. And bounced, ricocheted back and caught an audience member on the knee. Oh my goodness. And um, why they didn't sue the theatre, I don't know.
0: Because, you know, people didn't do that in those days, did they? But then I went back to
2: doing Shortworth, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then Um. I haven't stopped. And uh, So how did... Did you know about the comedy circuit at that stage? or when you did, did you start doing it in Edinburgh or were you doing it, the, <coughs> you doing it at clubs and stuff before? We... No, I
2: was doing it kind of more in music venues.
0: Yeah, um, I even supported Jonathan Richman
2: and uh, Dodgy at one point. Right. And uh, <laughs> they were good, they were good. Okay. But no, I, the comedy thing really started uh, when I came back with it and, and I met a guy called Steve Finan who was the son of Tom O'Connor. Oh, that's shut you up. Yeah. <laughs> and he was a lovely man, Steve. I think he went on to manage All Saints.
0: Okay.
2: And uh, marry a famous athlete. But <laughs> So I didn't take up his offer of representation, no. fortunately. But he, he took me around the, the comedy clubs of London. And I met um, uh, John Hegley and I, people like that and Jenny Eclair and uh, Donna McPhail. You know, you remember mm-hmm. those names from when yeah. you were starting out. And it, was, and it was suddenly a different world of... Um, it was a lot more difficult. Yeah. But there were very few character comedians out there. I can't think of any because they weren't really tolerated in a, in a sort of stun-up situation.
0: Well, it was, weird, this, it was sort of, This was the mid to late 80s, right? So Yeah, yeah. Late, late 80s, early yeah. 90s now. We're yeah. Talking, yeah. So, you know, it became much more... In the, in the sort of early 80s, there was a quite a lot of speciality acts, but there wouldn't be characters, really. Uh, and, and then the 90s became a lot more men... With microphones doing jokes, really. Yeah, it was, it was well, that's the, that's
2: the uh, scenario I was entered. That's the yeah. arena that I entered. and So I struggled with quite a lot of my early shuttle with gigs, and, and I, I soon found out that I had to kind of point up what the character was early on, otherwise they thought he was a real bloke. He yeah. was a shit performer. <laughs> so I, I had to say... Um, can I slip into John? Yes, briefly? please do. Sure, the audience would like. <laughs> I'd say, uh, I oh, made a demo of my tapes, but, uh, and I sent it to uh, Paul Young, but I forgot to put Dalby on, so it, so it was a bit hissy. <laughs> it was too hissy for him, you know, so he sent it me back. So it had to have a really sort of obvious kind of yeah. audio joke early on, and then, then the audience went, hang on, this guy isn't for real, it's a comedy act.
0: Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and. Um... And so you took that to, uh, to Edinburgh, and, did, and you were nominated for the Perrier. It would have been then, was it, still?
2: Yeah, I had... 92 was a very good year. Yeah, it was a, it was a strong <clears throat> year. I fell under the patronage of Vic and Bob. Yes. They started coming to all my gigs, and, and Miles Hunt from The Wonder Stuff, and all that sort of crowd, and I was suddenly very trendy, and I, I think I was destined to either win the Perrier or, <clears throat> or come second behind Steve Coogan yeah. and John Thompson, which is... Possibly what happened. You, well, you, you know, know,
0: you know that year. What I've heard about that year, because it was a very strong group of nominees, and I think if you looked at all of them, you'd go, "Wow, they've all pretty." Mark much Thomas. Done. Yeah, they've all Joe done. Joe Brand. Yeah, they've all done pretty. And much. I think Steve Coogan was everybody's second choice and nobody's first choice. So I think. I think everyone. Is that true? Yeah, but because well, it was so strong. That's yeah. That's what I heard about. It might not be true. It might be an apocryphal tale. But you know, if you if you're. If everyone can't agree, if everyone's got a different first place and everyone's got the same second place, then the second place wins on points if so. yeah. <laughs> without, without anyone but, coming first.
2: No, I was, I was sort of riding high and probably quite cocky. And, uh, uh, you know, Saturday Zoo, Jonathan Ross wanted me to do their series. So I came back from Edinburgh and I, and I did a, a... I fulfilled a, an old engagement at the TNC2, Town and Country Club yeah, in Highbury Corner. And I think I forgot the bit about... I've sent me tape to Paul Young. It was right. a, bit, a bit hissy. I forgot it. And yeah. after about 10 minutes, the audience started talking. Because they didn't know who I was. I, you know, I'd, I'd just... I'd done well in Edinburgh, but yeah. um, this was just a sort of chicken-in-a-basket audience, you know. And, um, yeah, I bombed completely. And, and that was a, a bit of hubris for me, realising that you, you've you got to set it up and you can never assume you're going to go down well, can yeah. you? Can yeah. you, Richard?
0: You can't. Think it's so awful. That. You can't. You know. but, uh, and what's interesting, right, you've been doing this character a long time, so you were about mid-twenties when you first started doing John, is that Yeah, it? I
2: was. That's a scary thing. And I mean,
0: now, you're the same, now you're the same age as...
2: Now you I'm age. older than John.
0: Now you're older than... John
2: Shuttleworth I can't make him 60. I think he's about 58. Right. You know, indeterminate late 50s. Okay. When I started him, I was 25. Right. 26. He
0: was 46. Right. So he's aged very slowly. Aged slow and you've aged quickly. And, do you f- and now, as, an, uh, as a man of that age, do you look back at the younger you and resent him for? I mean, it was never—it was never cruel or mean, was it? No, defend? you can't
2: resent Johnny because he's—he's—he's—he's no. he's, um, he's a very foolish but a very yeah. sweet man. I think. Yeah. I just suddenly realised I've—he's got a West Highland Terrier that's about thirty-eight years old. <laughs> um, doing well.
0: Is that there was a great and uh, uh, there was a great edition of Viz. One of my favourite things that was ever in Viz was about Clive Dunn becoming the same age as the character he played yeah. in that time because obviously he was much younger when he actually did it and it's the, de- the day that he became the same age as his character was meant to be uh, it's kind of this They did a re- very funny article about that but there's something kind of poetic and sort of it's wonderful tragic. and tragic about it, isn't it yeah
2: yeah no I mean it, it, what started as a joke became a living and uh, you know the radio particularly I just I had so many radio series I've had about 12 <coughs> radio series and and uh, just done a Christmas special. In fact, it's quite weird coming out on a stage because I've just spent three weeks in a wardrobe working on my Christmas radio special. The reason for that is that I'm spending a lot of my time in Leicester now with, uh, where my girlfriend lives and there was no recording studio there so there's a walk-in wardrobe and uh, the, the acoustic was quite good. Uh, but then, it, it actually, the sound wasn't... The, the, in rush hour, the, the cars were... The right. bass... Uh, was too strong. So I went into the bedroom and I made my studio by putting a row of coats and dresses to baffle the sound. Right. And that's what I love about radio is that you can actually
0: record anywhere. And you make those radio you, so are you making all those radio shows completely on your own and then you send them off? And is yes, that, is that I it? Do. So you produce them? and Because obviously you're doing <clears> several voices.
2: I do, yeah, yeah. And uh, all the characters. I don't actually produce them, that's Dawn Ellis. It used to be Paul Schlesinger. I know Dawn. Uh, you know Dawn. I know Dawn. Yeah. You know Paul.
0: I do. I do know Paul's lessons. Who don't you know? Um, well, it's yeah. hard for me to say that. Um. Um, but no, they were they were very much there. Um, I think Dawn was the PA when I first started little yeah. Light Entertainment Radio. Yeah. Already, yeah as you
2: no, the way I the way I do my radio is a, is a bit unusual. I have a multi-track tape recorder, and for people who don't know the Shuttleworths, the, the um, it's it's all the characters. It's John, his wife her friend, Joan Chitty, and John's next-door neighbour and soul agent, Ken Worthington. And it's really those four, mainly. Yeah. And I do all the voices, and the ladies' voices I do with very speed, by recording slower and then playing it back at normal. Um, About 9% for Mary, and only 5% for Joan. Because she talks like that. It's (laughs) quite raspy. (laughs) Um, Weirdly, Ken Worthington... uh, the agent. He talks like that. Hello. <laughs> I used to use very speed right. because I want when I started doing him, his voice was it was, hello. I'm Ken. It was much lower, yeah. and I thought, well, let's speed him up, and then there'll be more of a contrast with John. So after a while, uh, I realised actually I can just make his voice higher. <laughs> so, but but I, I basically. T- record the characters one track at a time okay. and then go back and so i'll do a bit of john hello richard how are you going you're right um and then i'll go back and i'll play that back and Ken record on ken's track so he'll be hearing Hello, richard how are and, excuse me john yeah, it's I'm... my chance to interview richard <laughs> and then i'll go back onto john's track and drop in as we say in the tray. At the point that I want John to pick up the conversation. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, Ken. Don't interrupt me when I'm talking to Richard. <laughs> then Mary might... You know, it's, yeah. it's fun. It's like, it's like sculpting. It, it really is. And, so, and, and sometimes I have to pull the clay off and, and remould it because it's gone wrong. Yeah. So I have to wipe the stuff I've done.
0: I mean, no one else is doing anything quite like that, though. You know what I mean? I think, that you've, I think you've come... Because you've come from a different background with that character anyway... It was always quite, it was always, as you say, it was very different than anything any else any was doing. But that's, you know, no, no other radio show is made in no. that way.
2: I know. I should get an award, but I've never have.
0: No. Well, I got
2: shortlisted for the Sony Award, but... Um...
0: We've no, been it's, it's
2: my method acting company. I, I mean, it yeah. has to, I just think it's... When, I remember when I started doing radio, I, I used to listen to like, The Archers and, and other radio shows, and I could just see the actors at the mic with their scripts, you know. Uh, oh, hello, how are you today? It's so stilted. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I was a big fan of Mike Lee. Uh, I still am, but in the 70s, he did a lot of TV dramas that I absolutely loved, like Abigail's Party and um, Nuts in May, Who's Who, Grown Ups. And, and the acting uh, and, and was in, at times incredible and, yeah. and naturalistic. And I, I slipped more now into, into modern TV production, but... And, and radio, but I wanted to imitate the way people really speak, because when you speak, you don't know what your your next phrase is going to be, so there 's a certain rhythm that you get, and you cannot no actor how no matter how good, could not read uh, and make it sound completely like he's making it up, sure. so I make it up, yeah, all the lines you hear in a John Shuttleworth radio show it's completely i have an idea of where i'm going, yeah you know but i I, I do make it up on, yeah. on, on the hoof and, yeah. and that's where you get the ebb and flow of real conversation yes, and people interrupt do. at points yeah. that in a script if two actors uh, are acting together with, written, with a written script they cannot possibly interrupt each other in that naturalistic way
0: no it's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's fascinating stuff and it's a brilliant character. I remember one of the first times I can't remember why you gave me a cheque for five pounds I don't know if I'd sold you something
2: no I can tell you the story what was it you might think Richard's a really hard, cynical man, but, um, well, reading your t- Twitter, yeah. you're quite, you come over as quite, uh, you know. Yeah, I'm nasty. Harsh. I'm nasty, am I? But yeah. years ago, I remember being in London and I was at a cash point and my card wouldn't work <laughs> and I, right? I needed some money. And who should I see walking along but Richard Herring? And he, uh, I told him about my problem and you went into
0: your pocket and you took out a fiver <laughs> and you gave me the fiver. Yeah. Why didn't you give me a tenner? <laughs> <laughs> probably, that was probably, if, it was, if it was the early 90s, that was absolutely all I would have had. I was a huge fan of John Shuttleworth. No. You sent me a cheque and a badge, knowing full well that I would put that on a little... Put that in, Did uh, you not I'd cash it? I never cashed it. If so you got five quid off of me and that's it. I've kept, I kept the cheque oh. up. I put it behind a little glass well, thing and put it up on my wall. I've spent the five pound now. <laughs> but, but I thought that was
2: a very... Uh, I didn't know you terribly well. I thought no. it was quite a nice gesture. Oh, thank you.
0: I'd I'd forgotten what a wonderful person I was. I just remembered thinking, "Ah, I never got that fiver back because I never cashed that. Too late to cash it now, I won't be able to cash it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of
1: what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
0: Um, but no, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was an extraordinary, and still is an extraordinary character, but it was, it was very exciting to see that, and, and to see that development. There were, I guess, uh, similarly to Simon Munnery, maybe again, who was a few years behind you, with Alan Parker, who he has, he's also resurrected him (laughs) 30 years on, um, but there he was the only other person. I started trying to do characters when I came to London, and I could never make it work.
2: You had to pick your venues
0: carefully, because...
2: Yeah, certain clubs, particularly where they served food while you were watching comedy. Yeah. Jonglers comes to mind. Yeah, I You, never you had to a- avoid because they want to, you know, yeah. dick jokes, don't they?
0: They do. I, mean, I Is I it still I like
2: that? I don't know. Because I just don't, I'm not in, I feel I'm a little bit of a fraud. I'm not really in the world of comedy anymore. And I've, I've forced myself to start watching uh, new stuff that's cutting edge. Yeah. Uh, it's Like... Is it stuff, stiff, Stuffy Let's Splat?
0: Yes. We're does anyone like know that. that? Definitely. See, I, I am cutting a You are you're, you're far ahead of this. But
2: it's it, Channel 4, you know, it's, a, it's the kind of new wave of comedians coming in with.
0: Again, I think a lot of those character. people, a lot of people now are coming in from unusual areas, and I think that's partly because stand up becomes, you know, it does become a bit homogenized if you're not careful, and, and there's so many people trying to do stand up that a lot of people coming through, I think like that guy, Jamie Dimitriou. Yeah, he, I don't think he was a stand-up, he was more of an actor again, and, and obviously Fleabag is somebody who's written a play, and yeah. Chewing Gum again, same thing, Come from a drama background. So it's, it's interesting that your stuff comes from a drama background as well, and that, that was, you know, that yeah. you, there is a place in comedy for that. As
2: well. well, it's the same with Steve Coogan, I remember yeah. chatting with him, and, you know, he, he tried to get acting work, and he, and he, he couldn't, and he, he used to go around the clubs doing impersonations, and that's how he made his living, and then... Um, he just started. He invented a few characters, and he went up to Edinburgh. And, yeah. Um, but it, it, it was indicative of the times because you know actors just weren't getting the work, and so they would form a little comedy group or yeah. an, 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 a, a, a variety. That's where you used to get your equity card, which you needed back then. You that's another reason I did Jilter John was to get my equity card. Right. You had to do five gigs, and then you got your your card. Um, so so it, it makes sense that a lot of actors turn to comedy because they, it's more fruitful.
0: Uh, sure. Thanks. And I'm interested in quite a lot of your jobs. And I'm quite interested, in you went back to being, you went to, did you genuinely try you generally tried to become a milkman sort of after after you were doing John Shetworth, So between it, the, the creation yeah. and the sort of success of it? It
2: was a time when I was pretty depressed because my mum had died, uh, sort of mid-80s and, um, and I moved to London and I was in this very destructive relationship with this, with this girl and she sort of followed me down and uh, um, the, anyway, I won't go into that, but it was like I, I just, I had low self-worth Richard, you know yeah. and, uh, and being pretty, pretty <coughs> depressed I went to see a psychiatrist, I packed in doing John Shuttleworth because that wasn't going anywhere the acting work wasn't happening, nobody wanted my mournful love songs um, so I went to see a Shrink and after about five sessions I, I, I suddenly had this uh, moment where I thought, I, want, I know what I want to do. I want to be a milkman. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to do with my life. Because I think at the time it was I wanted to help the community. Right. And, uh, so people I, need milk, don't they? A,
0: the People need milk. They do need milk. Well, need so I don't,
2: can't stand milk. I'm a soy man now, oh, but yeah. uh, oat milk.
0: I thought you got into trouble for drinking the milk off the float. That might be the reason you don't like milk now. I
2: did drink the milk off the float. You had to. Such, you expended so much energy rushing around because <laughs> they made you go quite fast that you, on average between five and seven pints a day right. I would steal from the float. And, uh, and, but after about three months, uh, I stopped whistling. Um, <laughs> I hadn't had a single glimpse of negligee. No? I mean... I just got a, a few old guys sort of saying, Oh, we got time for a cup of tea, Milky. This was down in London, I was living. And I would usually say, No, no, because I was behind, you know. Because I had other people's rounds because they, they were on holiday, so I didn't have my own round. I was like a relief milkman, so okay. I couldn't do the round, you know. And then I'd, by the end of a week, I'd learned it, and then they came back off their holiday all tanned and took the round back off me. So, But I said, You know, I said no to these old guys that wanted a cup of tea and a chat. Yeah. So I realised, with hindsight, I wasn't helping the community at all. You were you? I, I was a selfish twat who just <laughs> was depressed and didn't know what to do right. with my life. So I got a job I got a job in a theatre back in Manchester. Um, I think the Happy Pills were working, and I went for an interview, and I got a job. So suddenly I was back in
0: yeah. theatre think, But that happens a lot. I mean, it does happen a lot to actors. I think being an actor is such a... It's, a, it's such a difficult thing. The, the, it's that thing. It's the confidence combined with, um, you know, that the, there's obviously something shy about a lot of actors as well. So there's that, those yeah. two opposing things. And then the, the, you've got no control over your life. And so you've got those highs and like lows. You can be on top of the pops. You can be on Coronation Street. And then you can have nothing to do for two yeah, years. Yeah,
2: it, t- it was terrible. It was terrible. Um, that's why it's so nice to have a character like John that I can sort of put away when I'm fed up of it and then I can dust him down as I'm about to, I'm just about to go on a um, having sort of hinted that I was going to retire yeah. um, I'm not, I'm, the <laughs> show is called uh, John Shuttleworth's Back and it's about his bad back, <laughs> clever I always like a, a bad pun in my show titles, yes, of my favourite is probably um, the Minotaur yes. and <laughs> other mythological creatures <laughs> But yeah, I'm going to be touring everywhere, including Hull. I'm coming to okay. the Hull Truck in, I think, March. And it's a big tour. And, um, and you've written a book. I've written
0: a book. Is it, is it's written a book. Yeah. book
2: well, it's only my second book. You've probably had about 10 out, haven't you?
0: Well, I've written a lot myself. You know, you can, they can't stop you. If you just put them out yourself, <laughs> no one says, no, hold on. But I've done a few, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but well, this is only my second book. Yeah. And um, I had one out when I had a series, my only series called 500 Bus Stops. And I did a big tour of Waterstones bookshops and everything, signing. And I sold very few. It was amazing. (laughs) I don't know why. Um, So I'm hoping i sell a few more. I'm really pleased with it. It's called uh, Two Margarines and Other Domestic Dilemmas. (laughs) The Two Margarines refers to one of John Shuttleworth's best-known songs where he he says, Two margarines on the go. It's a nightmare scenario. (laughs) Which is about the familiar problem of um finding two open tubs of margarine yeah. in your fridge and and so i it's basically the day in the life of john shortworth he goes around looking trying to find all the domestic dilemmas but and and solving them but of yeah. course being john Shuttleworth, he solves them really badly uh, and they're all stupid like um, <laughs> you know uh, how to avoid tripping up over the dishwasher door
0: yeah, but that's Actually, cool. that's quite a serious problem. That is a bit of, I, I, did, I yeah. walked into mine the other day just at breakfast. Yeah, well,
2: his solution to that is you can't. You can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one of the unsolvable ones. Yeah. Which is probably why world leaders never discuss it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it hurts as well, I it? Mean, if you it do... bloody you give, does it hurt, just, yeah. nasty yeah. crack, just at the right yeah. level.
2: But, I, uh, it, it, I mean, I don't know about you, Richard, but I, one of the, the joys for me of this job is it's a bit like... See, I was never... A, I always wanted to do to be something like a carpenter uh, <clears throat> or a plumber you know something honorable that yeah. is where you uh, where you learn a skill and then you practice it and i feel because my dad is sort of like, i think my dad he was proud of me he's dead now but he, he you know he was very practical with his hands and i and i sort of wasn't and i and i used to just saw and like cut my thumb or I'd cock it up and so to me making cd's making books Making tea towels, we've just had a new tea towel come up. Wooden yeah. spoons, the merchandise is almost as much fun to me as the yeah. gig.
0: Yeah. That's mainly what I do now, I just mainly think up ideas for merchandise and then I've got to do the podcast just to promote them.
2: Yeah, well you're um, doing a similar thing with yeah. the podcast, that's kind of DIY, isn't it? So yeah. But have you got a wooden spoon?
0: I haven't, I haven't even thought of doing wooden spoons. Well, but now you've done it, I can't copy that. No, you can't. I'll have to do, um, could do a spatula or something like that. I have got a tea towel, I did a tea towel, a pumpkin yeah. tea towel.
2: Tea towels are very popular, aren't yeah. they, people? And, I mean, everyone's got too many tea towels, but they still seem to want to buy them.
0: <laughs> Great. <laughs> what do you do with your exes? I've got a big drawer of tea towels that we never use. They, well, this is it, they build Just up and then up. eventually you can't shut the drawer. Yeah.
2: Can you? It's true. It's terrible. It is terrible. <laughs>
0: let's ask you a couple of emergency questions. Oh. Uh, see what comes out early on. Um... Have you ever seen a ghost? The honest answer is I haven't. Okay. And I really wish I had. Okay. Well, but they I don't haven't. exist, so don't worry. <laughs> I think they do, you see, I say. don't think they do exist. So lots of people have seen them. I've heard some, you know, some very uh, exciting stories by asking that question, but only through the more mentally ill guests, I would say. So it's, that's... <laughs> um... I'm going to keep it clean because you know I know I know you're a, you do not like. Uh, this is
2: going to be the clean podcast. This is the, isn't it? it's going to be. I'm going to keep it clean. But you have got that rude whole last coming on after him.
0: Oh, she'll be rude. I'll ask yeah. her as many rude things. Um, <laughs> oh, I'll ask. I wonder if I'll just check this. this you one can't one. find one, can you? That's no, not cheeky. Was a, no, I was going to ask you a Muppet one, but then I'm going to ask you another Muppet one. I'm just going to check it's not too um, too rude. I think it's back. Here. It's one of the, There's 25 new questions in the new edition of Emergency Questions. Um, Oh, no, that's too far back. That's why I'm not finding it. Is this your book, then? This is the book I wrote. This this has properly been uh, published by a proper publisher. Oh, this is it. I mean, this is a bit blue, but you don't have to... If your genitals had to be replaced by the face of one of the Muppets... (laughs) ..the face would be able to interact and communicate in exactly the same way as the puppet, which puppet face would replace your genitals?
2: Well, they're all pretty hideous, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, Probably Kermit. Yeah because he's quite sweet. Yeah. And then the girls might feel sorry for me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is that... Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, and uh, would you rather have a hand made out of ham or an armpit that dispenses sun cream? you will have to say that again. <laughs> would you rather... You must have been asked this a thousand times. Would you rather have a hand made out of ham that you can eat You can just nibble at and it'll yeah, grow yeah. back, eventually? It grows back, yeah. Yeah, just slowly. You know, you can't just eat it all and it's... Grows back. It will grow back over a month if you eat the whole thing. You won't have a hand for a month, or an armpit that dispenses sun cream, unlimited sun cream for you, for you, for one person, for sun cream. lifetime. You know, sun cream that you put on to protect your skin from the sun. Which, which of those would you prefer? I mean, you're treating this as if it's a ridiculous question, which you, I find quite, I find quite offensive. Did you? Did you? Think I created that question. <laughs> You've got problems. Um,
2: that's just. Well, I probably would have to... I'm almost a vegetarian, okay. but I do have a bit of ham occasionally. But also, it's
0: vegetarian because no animal has died for the ham hand. It's your own... It's, yeah, it's, but it's meat, though, isn't it? It is, but it's your own meat. You can't... It's not nothing. Okay. So you're a vegetarian for, you yeah,
2: know, the I don't, reasons. I don't have much of a need for sun cream because I, I take it on holiday with me and then I always forget to put it on. Yeah. You know, and I find um, I don't get too burnt, actually. Okay. So the answer is the hand of... Well, that. thank
0: you for answering it eventually. <laughs> i giving it the respect it deserves. That says. is the weirdest question I've ever been asked. Good. That is my job. You won a pretty baby competition when you were a baby? Do you want to tell yeah. us about that? Yes, I did. <laughs> that's not out the book, is it? No, Yes, my read <laughs> yeah. my, well, my, my father
2: was a professional photographer, okay. and uh, that may have helped, but in 1960, he took a photograph of me, uh, a really cliché picture. I was eating a bit of straw. Okay. I mean, that is quite cliche, isn't it? Like a bit of straw in my mouth. and um, But it was in a field as well, and he sent it into the Mother and Child, which was a big magazine at the time, and it won first place, and we won a, a, a fridge. A fridge? <laughs> That's pretty good. Which was a big was. thing to win back yeah. then, because nobody had fridges. We're no. talking 1960, 61, and... Uh, yeah. How it, long did the fridge last? The fridge lasted till the, the, at least till the mid-90s. Right. Uh, I, uh, my sister had it in her right. flat in Halston. Okay. And then it broke. Uh-huh. But I mean, That's know, pretty good for a yeah, free fridge. Yeah, fridges were very, very uh, important yeah. back then. I mean, they are now, but it was like a big deal.
0: Yeah. What did people do before they pr- fridges? They probably
2: cost two grand or something like that. You know, yeah. You know, two or three grand.
0: Yeah was it massive or was it just a regular fridge size good the was, old fridges really big
2: it was an electrolux uh, it was a bit like a small american fridge quite yeah. nice curves on it and okay. uh, but i was i was in the daily
0: express wow
2: page 3
0: <laughs> yeah they have different tastes those uh, daily express <laughs> can't it was a different time you can't judge <laughs> the people of the 50s about that uh, and can, I mean, the champion mouse breeder. This is oh, Shutterworth's yeah. Slightly come out of this, right? But would you, did your dad bred mice? Did he? No, my dad
2: didn't breed mice. Okay, but you I did.
0: I was a bit of a
2: nerdy teenager. I mean, Saturday morning for me as a fourteen-year-old, the most exciting thing was getting on the bus, going into the, to the market in Sheffield where I grew up, Castle Market, and buying a box of broken biscuits, and then taking it back home and eating them <laughs> in my bedroom. Yeah. Uh, or going and buying a quarter of Nuttles Minto's yeah. and eating them whilst playing with my little tape recorder because I got into sound quite early. I used okay. to do record silly sound effects. I, and I was into various speed early on. I used to record a, uh, a baby uh, sort of crying, and, and I did it by recording at half speed, and I would go.
0: Meow,
2: meow, and then you play that back at twice the speed, and it sounds just like a baby. Nice. <laughs> How I, came, how I chanced on that, I don't know, because <laughs> that's a bit weird, isn't it? it uh... So the mice, uh, it was already weird, and then I, um, I just saw some mice in a pet shop, and, and then I, I, started, I bought a copy of The Fur and Feather, which was a magazine. A <laughs> <laughs> now defunct uh, fortnightly magazine. No, yeah, and I and I did it split
0: into the fur and the feather, two separate magazines. So oh, we don't want the mice and the birds in the same. It was
2: it was two separate
0: magazines. No, I did, but then it came and together. They, yeah. like Wizard and Chips. But I,
2: um, <laughs> but I joined the National Mouse Club. Yeah, and uh, it does exist, still going. I think the whole branch is quite uh, doing quite well. At the, Probably a uh, few people in from that. And I used to go to mice, mouse shows. Age fifteen, I used to get on the bus and go to places like Keithley and. Solitaire, yeah, and be in these St John's ambulance rooms with all these old guys looking at mice, picking them up, and oh, that's a nice mouse. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and laugh. It is funny. <laughs> you still have ha- any any? Meaning? No, I can't. But, no. funny when my kids were um, about six, I got I, I got a few more because I met. Um, I moved to Louth in Lincolnshire. Yeah, just down the road. It only taken me an hour to get here, and. um we met an old mouse breeder that I remember from when I was 14. And he said, oh, I've got some nice uh, pink-eyed whites. Come and, come and see me. So I took, a, I took a few of his mice. And I for about three months, I tried to get my kids into it. But then one, one went a bit mad and started biting me. And I, I just thought, I don't, why am I doing this? I don't like mice. <laughs> I don't even like mice, you know. And I, and I don't like mice at all. I don't. I think they're horrible.
0: They are pretty horrible. We saw. We went to a little petting zoo and had had some. Well, my son called them mice. One of them was a rat. One of them yeah, was uh, like one was a chin, is it chinchilla? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I don't like that. I don't no. certainly
2: don't like gerbils. They move far too quickly. Okay. I like uh, guinea pigs. Yeah. Have you noticed guinea pigs? And I'm slipping into John now, but they <laughs> they're not frightened to establish eye contact. And I haven't and noticed men, that. About and them. maintain it. Right. They'll always be looking at you. Okay. They never look away, whereas if you, if you try and stare a dog out, yeah. after a while, the dog will just go look away and sort of... <laughs> look away and lick its fur and yeah. try
0: to catch a fly.
2: But a guinea pig will just keep looking at you.
0: I haven't noticed that about them, but I'm glad... I'm glad that's come up. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, and, well, you, you were talking about, backstage about um, kind of... In, you had a sort of—it wasn't exactly a breakdown, was it? In the t- it you, yeah, it was a break. Was it, it? was a breakdown. Well,
2: no, it's, it's still got a, that word has connotation, doesn't it? Does, it? It. It, was a, it was memory loss fueled by working too hard and drinking too much Guinness at night after yeah. my show. And ironically, it was a character called Dave Tordoff who came from ghoul and I'll do a little bit. are you? You're all right. And basically, we're like a Brexiteer, you know, big yeah. time. And he, he were... Um, but, uh, anyway, the show was... He was a rich builder.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: one, one review said he knows the value of... He knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. Okay. Which I thought, that summed him up, really. He, um, he was based on a friend that I met at a school reunion. Who was uh, just... Uh, I'm on 28K. Uh, <laughs> My daughter's a model. Here's a picture of her. I've got a Triumph Bonneville in me drive, I've got a Ford Discovery, doing very, very well. Doing very well. So <laughs> was a he was a Mason and all yeah, and yeah. I just thought it was a great character and I and I worked hard on it and I did a show that I took to Edinburgh and I previewed at the in Hull at the whole truck called Neighbours from Hull. And um, it was going really well and I would even got secured a place on the Nicholas Parsons oh, yes. uh, radio thing. And then one day, I just halfway through the show, I just forgot what I was doing right. completely. And uh, you say, Do you believe in ghosts? Do you yeah. believe in tumbleweed? Because <laughs> I, blood, <laughs> I bloody saw some tumbleweed, it's terrible.
0: And uh, well, it's a terrifying thing to have. I've only had that happen, you know, for a few moments, yeah. Where you just completely, I mean, usually you know a show so well that you can run an autopilot a bit. But it's, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like. But you a see, new you're show.
2: good at talking crap as well, aren't I you? I am. You can yeah. just come out with anything, whereas this was all finally scripted. Sure, sure. And but it's an interesting point because I Shuttleworth. I'd, I'd had mem sorry, I'd had memory loss. I'd had memory loss before, but because of the nature of John Shuttleworth, he's, he's more bumbling, and it still happens. In, in the middle of a song, I'll forget a lyric, and I'll just have to stop the song. And then I'll go, oh, forgotten the words, you know. And then people laugh. And yeah. then, What was I singing about? What was I talking about? And then some kind fan will shout out, Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was about, can't go back to Savory, or, you know. Yeah. Uh, and they'll help me out. But as this, this character, Dave Chordoff, was a very, very different to me. That's the thing. Yeah. He's a kind of a, a very sort of smart builder who knew the price of everything. And so it threw me, and I basically... I, I instinct kicked in, and I recovered got to the end of the show, but I walked off and I I thought, I can't go on again. I just cannot do that show again. And I walked. I just left Edinburgh. Yeah. And,
0: um, I mean, a lot of people feel like that in Edinburgh and don't do that. It's kind of impressive to do it. I've certainly had Edinburgh where I felt like doing it. Well,
2: I just couldn't go on. And and I think it was my body and my mind saying, you've been working, because I'd been, I'd just been, making a film called It's Nice Up North, which was the John Shuttleworth film. Right. And, and I had three years editing it, and the, my hard drive had blown up, and I'd had all sorts of problems. Yeah. And I would got a bit obsessed with, with Shetland, and I was watching a video, a, a sort of early um, uh, Google Earth, where you could move your mouse on the computer and go up a little lane, a little country road, and then turn left, and you'd be at a dead end. And I'd sort of stop and watch... That for a while, and it's a bit of Van Gogh the Cornfield, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I was cracking up, I was cracking up. Yeah. So I needed a break, and I did take a break, and then I came back. and Sadly, I've never really done Dave Tordoff live again, and I would love to because he was a good character. Yeah. Does anyone know Dave Tordoff? Yeah, it yeah, was a good character, wasn't he? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, he was brilliant, you know. <laughs> and my career suffered because of him. <laughs> Bring him back. Yeah, well, I'd love to. I just kind of need to yeah I did, but that's a
0: scary that. thing you know it's a scary thing to happen I mean, and and again, you hear actors having that where they where they have they dry and then they can never go back on stage again at all you yeah i didn't do... i mean
2: I'd, I'd had some hypnotherapy on that and, yeah uh,
0: uh and it worked
2: very well but um i i don't know'm I'm, I'm sixty now I'm, I'm a bit lazy and I like just doing things like walking and uh, going to the library and yeah. reading books on philosophy and and you know i i sort of look at the world of comedy and, and think, well, it's not very funny. You yeah. but know
0: But I think that's but there's other you, things in life. But well that's that's certainly true and I think you know I think that's you do come out of that tunnel a little bit as you know, I think as if you to become a successful comedian I think you have to be pretty obsessed, especially now, with what you're doing and yeah. it seems like that's all that's important in the world. And you come out the other side uh, you know as a bit of an older person and yeah, and realize but, that that's crazy, but but you've got stuff there. I mean, you know, John Shuttleworth can go on forever. Yes, and I hope it does go on yeah, forever. I think he can. Yeah, and and you've got your niche, and if nobody else is doing anything like that, you know, the people you've mentioned, like John Hegley, is it's not the same, is it? But he's doing he's doing his own thing. It's the same in that he's doing his it own is, thing. It,
2: but it's not a million miles away from John Shuttleworth because it's he has a persona, yeah, and it's a kind of wacky guy who comes out in these strange little phrases and uh, and reads his poem, plays songs, so. Yes, I can carry on doing John Shuttleworth and nothing else, but I, and, and then just go into the library and read philosophy books. But I've still, deep down, I, I, I have this feeling that my beautiful love songs that got rejected by Chapel Music in favour of the
0: Shuttleworth
2: yeah. songs are good. And, and I brought an album out last year called Weird Town, and um, it's... Gideon Cove on Six Music loves it. Right. He keeps playing a song called Diary of a Skinbird, which... Um, does anybody know that? Diary of a
0: Skinbird? <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway. Uh,
0: but that's... But know, it's
2: really good. Yeah. And, and I suppose what I'm saying is I want to do my own music
0: and, and write some The music... Some but the, I mean, the thing... The reason all of these... that John Wirt and, and John Shuttleworth worked is because the music is really good, right? So those songs yeah. would have worked... The the Jill and John songs would have worked as a non parody song, you know. I think well, like, it was funny as well, so that was yeah, that was the thing. No, I, I think but you're clearly a so. great musician. But then that's a, you know but that's so many comedians have that thing where they start doing something seriously and then the comedy version does better. So many comedians want to be rock stars. Yes. So if you've got that, you've got those competing things within you. That's that's a difficult thing to struggle with a little bit I guess isn't it if, if, you, if you want to be taken seriously as a, as a musical artist yeah, it, it
2: is hard to be taken seriously when, and I did a tour last year uh, called Completely Out of Character yeah. as myself and there were mainly the big Shuttleworth fans found it hardest to, to yes. see, people who had never seen John Shuttleworth who just came on spec they really loved it, yeah. so that was interesting but if you've got, yeah, if you've got a reputation of some, doing something then you, it's hard to kind of break away from that but you know, I'm not. I'm not very precious about it, and I, I know John Shudworth is very loved, and so is Jilted John. And it's like I've created two really good characters that will be remembered for centuries. <laughs> <Wouldn't> <laughs> well, that'd be nice. Know, but Jilted John is,
0: you know, it's 40, like you're saying, is it 40? It's 40 years? Is that right? It's, it's 41. 41 years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's incredible. That, and especially for something that was one song that became a hit. You know, I know you yeah. had the album and did other stuff. But for people to still remember that fondly, I really, you know, I, it was so important to to me that, you know, I was... I you were mean, the I, right age, weren't right? you? Yeah, I was like, yeah. seven years younger than you But just years. going back to what you were
2: saying about... Because I feel, you know, it's hard to keep my drive going. I, what I noticed about you is that you seem immensely driven. And yeah. In a nice way, but um, I, what, how do you do that? Is that because you're just a bit younger than me, or you've still got... I think I a little, think little you've bit. you've made it, or what, I think
0: it? Well, it's partly that. It's partly because got, I've got to... Uh, feeding my kids now yeah. but then the kids but that's the you know that's the that's the separate thing because you sort of well actually i don't want to be so driven because i want to spend more time with my kids than, yeah. than you know be going out on the road so this is why this suits me i can come and do this once a week rather than five times a week and so i can spend more time with my kids i think i you know i love doing what i'm doing and i think both of us are doing you know we're, we're fortunate to have created enough of a a persona or a, a brand if you want to call it that that people will still come and see it and that we you know you don't need to be hugely famous in fact it's much better not to be hugely famous it's much yeah. better to be you know and be doing what you want to do so i love what i'm doing i think is the, is the truth of it most of it um writing scripts is which i still do i find i find really difficult as i'm doing it but then i love yeah. it when i've finished it and so, to, to be in that position where you are still allowed to do the thing you love. And unusually, as a comedian, I wanted to be a comedian. I didn't want to be Did a you? rock star. Yeah. So, yeah. I was, I'm not, I, I, like, fun, I like lyrics and I like, I like the poetry of music much more than the music itself. And so, I think a lot of comedians are sort of frustrated rock stars. But I, I just always wanted to be a comedian. So, it's, you know, I feel quite happy that this is my job. My yeah. Journey.
2: I mean, if anything, I probably want to be a folk singer. I want yeah. to be taken seriously uh, for my. Or a poet or something. You know? yeah. I've realised, actually, a lot of... I've written so many songs, and a lot of them, if I just read the lyrics out, it's quite a good poem. Yeah. You know? um, so
0: maybe I'll, I'll, I'll... You might see me in a pub somewhere. But you can do... I mean, but also, the, the beauty of, of you is that, you know, your name isn't the same as your character. So you can, you can divorce the two things and, and do those... The, the, you know, you can see it within the, the love that goes into the, the characters you've done mm. and the language, the... The the thing about John Shuttleworth is the is the choice of language, isn't it? It's the it's the under, it's the. What do you under, mean, love? Well, it's <laughs> you yeah. be, but you know what I mean. It's it is. There's poetry in it. The reason it works because it's not joke jokes, is it? I mean, there are some there's humorous stuff in it, but it's not. It's the comedy of the mundane. It you know, is and yeah. picking the mundanity yeah. and, and picking out the the right choice of words for that, isn't it? So it's there's a poetry. It is. To it's it's or
2: fixating or on sort of not much going on and the little things in yeah. life, and I think. That's why I quite like Jamie's, uh, the, the uh, stuffy, splats yeah. thing. Um, and, and a lot of uh, Julia Davis. Uh, yes, the Davis. Thing that, yeah, yeah. And, and They're all at it now. They're all kind of doing that, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's the modern uh, furrow to plough, really, isn't it? Which, uh, you know, you, you don't... I mean, that's why I'm slightly disappointed with Simon Pegg, because he always... I, I met Simon Pegg in Bristol, and he, it was his very first gig... Yeah. And he was supporting me. And I was sort of quite well established. but we about 93, 94. And uh, he seemed a nice lad. And he went on and did his... And he, he absolutely stormed it. He went... And then he came to, um, to, to London and rang me up once and said, can you give me some advice? And I probably told him a couple of clubs. And then next thing, he's a massive star making all these big films. And, yeah. and they always start off really well and well observed. And they end up with everyone getting blown up. And I don't get that. And it just, it's like they ran out of ideas. Yeah, well, I... that,
0: but that's I think it's interesting that uh, a lot of that, that the p- career progression of an extremely successful comedian is to end up going to Hollywood and making stuff that probably isn't as good as what you would make. You know, I think Coogan, the stuff he makes himself. Should we is... slag Coogan off? No, now. I'm not going to slag oh. him off. I think the stuff you know, Alan Partridge is better than nearly any of the, mm. the, the fil- certainly the Hollywood films he's done. So, you know, you go, you're aiming for that Hollywood thing and then you go and do it and then it's actually, this is quite a dull... I think, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Simon Specs and Steve Coogan's, but I think they're, they're sort of better than the things that they end up being in that are, that are seen as being successful. Yeah. So, you know, it's all, it's all about perspective.
2: I think Steve Coogan is a very complex man. I used to know him quite well. I, don't, I haven't seen him for a few years, but he, I think he wanted stardom. Yeah. And, and I don't know about you, but I never wanted stardom. I just wanted to, to do good work. Yeah. And... And, and for people to appreciate that it was good. Yeah. But but the stardom or the notoriety thing that goes with it, I don't, I'm not really interested in it.
0: No. Well, you know, I think when we started, I, I did start working with him, and I think I understand, I understand that, that drive to become famous or be the most successful comedian, I understand it, and I, it would, yeah. I, there would have been a part of me that would have loved that to happen when I was 22. Yeah. But, yeah, I think but absolutely... But now I'm 52, I'm absolutely so delighted. And you now. realise
2: that your kids are a bit more important than... Yeah, only a than,
0: bit. Probably only my daughter. I, I, <laughs> if I could swap my son for a stardom, I'd do it. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't do both of them because the daughter's all right. I really so. want to
2: start on this bottle but I've not finished that one. I feel oh, bad.
0: It's the two pots b- 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 Rich- of margarine. Richard well, Johnson... We're going to have to... We've gone on way too long. We're going to have to stop. Okay. So it's all right. So you can, you can take your water off with you and keep it as a, as a gift from me to you, as long with that five quid I gave you. Did you ever pay the bloke that let you record for 25 quid the extra 55 quid that, you did, you didn't, that he was 80 quid to get, record your thing? Did you go back when you were a successful No, I concert? never did.
2: Um, and no. I feel... I didn't feel bad about it, but now you mention it, I feel quite okay, bad good. about it. <laughs> yeah.
0: A nice, would have I been a nice: Would' have been a nice gesture. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> would have been a nice gesture. Um, it's fantastic to talk to you, Graham, and thanks so much for doing this. Uh, do check out the tour and the book. Ladies and gentlemen, great fellows. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Don't have a drink in a week. You have been listening to With me Richard Herring And my guest Graham Fellows A.K.A. Jilted John A.K.A. John Shutterworth And so on Thank you very much to Pest That's the name of the band Who are playing this particular music for you Thank you very much to everyone at Hull City Hall Wonderful gang of people there Who looked after us really well Thank you also to my producer George Lingford in the George the Incompetent Sandman He's moved up to production Thank you to the series producer Ben Walker uh, This is a fuzz GoFasterStrike.com And Sky Potato production Why not head to GoFasterStrike.com Buy some emergency questions books um, have Some the top trumps Whatever you fancy my friends There's downloads, there's books There's all the work of many fantastic comedians There for you to peruse and enjoy See you next time on Rahalesteper. Hooray!
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands.